You're listening to the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast, helping you make progress as a teacher, coach, and business owner. Hey, I'm Cordy Walker, and I will be your host for today's conversation. Uh, We're going to take a look at a unique topic, and we're going to get really specific and look at working with junior girls. Is there anything to change when teaching and coaching? Uh, You know, what should a group session look like? What motivates them? Any advice on communication? These are all some things we're going to talk about with today's guest, Anne Carroll. She's the development squad women's coach for Team Canada and has a lot of experience with this arena. And, you know, you're going to come away with some insights, some practical ideas on what you can do with your programming, what you can do in your day-to-day teaching and coaching. It's going to be some good advice for you here. Anne, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, no, I'm excited to dive into this. Um, but before we do, just so people can kind of have a, a background on, on where your perspective comes from, why don't you, why don't you give us a quick bio, kind of who you are? Okay, well, um, first of all, and mainly, I'm a mother of uh, two boys that are 22 and 17. And I'm just coming up um, on my 25th wedding anniversary next year. So it's been uh, great to have all, all my support from my family to, uh, to be doing what I'm doing. Started golf when I was 12. I had three older brothers that uh, kept me competitive and, and going. I just, you know, I came right from competitive baseball into golf. And but this, at the same time, I collided with some great people that helped me with um, with some fundamentals of golf. And so I took what I had um, with baseball and lucky enough to get good fundamentals. And I think that's why I ex- excelled so well and, um, you know, in the competitive range. But I went to Florida State University and graduated from there. Uh, I turned professional right out of university. Uh, I couldn't wait to turn pro and compete with the best in the world. And uh, I played in LP- six LPGA tournaments, uh, and I won the first tournament I ever played in as a pro, which was pretty funny because my big goal there was just to make the cut and ended up winning the tournament. So, wow. um, And then after you know three years doing that, I thought, you know, I, I, I really wanted to have a family. I really wanted to um, uh, to be settled down and be in one place for a while. And uh, then I met my husband, and then from there, um, it all took place. Um, just coming up on my 25th year anniversary with the PGA as well. So that's a really cool experience. 1984, represented Canada at the World Am and British Am, and uh, had a lot of great experiences with amateur golf in Canada. I think you know, one of the things that I wanted to really emphasize is uh, just the uh, timing of, of, you know, moving back to Ontario about 10 years ago. And at the same time, the PGA creating the coaching stream for um, the PGA members and, and people like uh, Gary Bernard and Glenn Kandari, who, who impacted my life at the time so much, took me to that next level. And, um, just allowed me to really dive into something that um, I didn't realize I had the passion for, but now I sure do. So it's been a great journey thinking about how where I started and where I am now. And coaching girls at the uh, highest level in Canada is such a great experience, and I'm just loving every minute of it. Awesome. And what do you spend most of your time doing right now? Like, what's the majority of your time spent doing? Obviously, you, you've got national team. You work with the developmental team. Is that right? That's correct. Um, those girls are usually ages 14 to 18. So just getting into high school and getting out of high school time of the year 
So where, where my time is spent mostly is I do have a provincial academy that um, girls come from Kingston to, to Niagara Falls to, to my academy. And so that's a big part of my time. At the, um, the other part that I, um, I have is I work at a golf club here in Toronto. And um, there's a lot of young junior golfers coming up there. And then I have my national team, which I spend uh, probably 100 days on the road with them, coaching and, um, and creating camps and um, going to tournaments with them. Got it. So, you know, in this conversation, when so we're going to talk about kind of like working and, and coaching with girls, you know, like what might be some of the experiences that, that coaches listening, teachers listening, let's just assume we have both on here. Um, you know, like what's the, what do you think their current perspective is? Like where are they at when working with this demographic right now? I think that um, number one is, you know, for mo- the majority of girls that are are coming through golf at a young stage, I think it's really important for them to be with other girls. And um, having that fun factor, having that social factor is huge in the start of, you know, when they're starting golf, maybe age six, seven, eight, is to be able to come to the academy or to the golf pro and to be with other girls. I mean, that's, I think that's way more important for girls than it is for boys at that stage. With my experiences, it's, um, the competitiveness is there. I think that we have to bring that out with them. And, uh, by doing that, I think, you know, creating different kind of games for them that, um, that necessarily might not be the same for boys. The, uh, the boys are really about the competition and, and, um, being, um, thrilled about, you know, making that eagle on the par five and hitting the green in two. Girls are too, but they're much less to um, to think of that as the, the funnest thing that they experienced. So, you know, going to a, um, a golf tournament, you might say to, to a young developing boy saying, you know, what was the most exciting part? Well, usually they'll remark on how, um, you know, what they scored or or how far they hit the ball where girls are more into the girls I played with were so much fun. And I had such a great time. And those are sort of the, the things that they draw upon on um, what they found most, you know, satisfying to them, even though, you know, they're very competitive and they want to play well, but um, it's the emotional and the, um, you know, the environment that they really love is when it's safe and when it's fun and social. Got it. So we're, we're looking at safe. We're looking at maybe a, creating a little bit of different environment. Um, mm-hmm. d- does that mean, you know, that the people should kind of separate the girls and the boys in a coaching program or if they're teaching in groups to, to be able to facilitate that? I think at some stages of their lives, they should be separated. Um, but I think later on when they've developed that um, maturity, I think it's great for them to play against each other and, uh, you know, develop those even more competitive skills. I know like when I played golf with my brothers, I mean, that's what got me to the point where I wanted to be better was to beat them. And um, and having that situation in their lives where they do have an opportunity to play with the boys, I think is great for the development. I think that, um, but in this, in this, in the early stages, I think, they like to have their own little thing. They like to have their their own social group, having fun, making sure that um, you know enjoyment is probably number one. Where at that some of the stages with some of the boys, it might be more of just competing and getting better. You know, I think that's how we keep the girls in the game is to at the base point make sure it is social and fun. And then as they get better and more mature, I think then they can 
get to the point where um, they'll want to practice on their own more and they'll want to compete against the boys more. So what keeps the boys engaged in the learning or growth process is different than what keeps the girls engaged, you think? I think so. I think at the beginning stages, for sure. Uh, you know, there's the odd um, young woman or young girl that I come up across that's uh, super competitive and and um, doesn't really care about the social part, but they're, that's one in ten for, for me. Um, most girls really look forward to um, getting together with the girls, whether it's practicing with them or um, seeing them at tournaments. That's a big, you know, who are they going to play with is a big you know, when the tea times come out, you know, who am I going to play with is much more important than to the girls, I believe, than what the boys are thinking. What would be kind of the ages where this fun concept, you know, like keeping things engaged because it's it's social, it's, you know, keeping it fun. Um, like what ages is that? Does that stop at some point and become more competitive? Okay. I think, you know, even looking into my um, university experiences with um, at Florida State University, I, I think even compared to the, the boys' team and the girls' team, I think the girls' team liked those social engagements even at that age, and that's ages, you know, 18 to 22. But I think, um, you know, at that younger stage, having um, the opportunity to, like w- within a session of a group in um, my academy, you know, we probably work 45 minutes where we're really f- focused on a task and then, and then there's that 15 minutes of social time where they can talk about what, what went on in school that day, what's exciting, you know, just things in their lives. And, and then we'll get back to maybe the next um, 20, 30 minutes of, of um, being focused on our uh, agenda. So I think within the competitive time that they're with, with the academy, they still want to have that social time. And I think that goes, you know, from a young girl to you know, girls that, you know, are on, on the LPGA. I mean, I think that um, they look forward to having practice rounds together. They want to make sure their practice rounds are with the friends that they like. And I think just, it's just, we're just different animals than boys in that respect, um, where boys place probably more importance on, you know, getting to the course, like hooking up with who, who's ever there, um, practicing on their own. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my experiences with with the differences between boys and girls and how to um, structure the um, practice. And playing devil's advocate, I mean, some might think like, well, that means they're just not as serious, right? If the focus is more on having fun or keeping people engaged with, you know, by, by structuring something like that. I'm guessing that's not the case. Uh. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the case. And I think that's what motivates them to make sure that they're Sometimes with the national team, even, you know, I said, they've put in a great day's work. I said, we'll go for some frozen yogurt after. And that's something that, you know, they'll really, really look forward to and, and make and, and, and put in that extra effort and time because there's something like that that we're going to go to and, and do as a group. So they do work extremely hard. They practice as hard as, as their counterparts with um, the male counterpart, but, but they just tend to do it in a different way. And it may look or come off as that, but I think for most girls, their intrinsic competitiveness is is gained by by having that type of atmosphere that they're that they are with other girls. They are enjoying their time. Well, I mean, what you described is is setting up a you know a coaching session where maybe you have you know fifteen minute break after a certain time, or you know, hey, you know, let's go go out and do this afterwards. Like that just sounds like 
a good learning environment, <laughs> a good coaching environment, you know, um, yeah. for anyone. I, I think those are some good principles, although some people might say it just sounds like fluff, but those are mm-hmm. super important to keep people engaged in the process, you know? That's so true because, you know, especially at the at the national team level and my provincial team is, you know, they're higher, they're high achievers in everything they do. If they're on national teams like that, you know, they're very you know, they're very good at school. They're very good at everything they do. Their their expectations are high in everything they do. So there's has to be a time to just, um, you know, chill and relax and just be as a group and, and exchange ideas because they come from different parts of, uh, of Canada. It is very important for them to establish those relationships. And, and when they do go to the Canadian Junior, they have a ton of friends there where they feel comfortable and and uh, they know other people and they know the girls in the group, perhaps. And that's very comforting for them. And, and at that point, they're comfortable. They're, gonna, they're going to, um, you know, have a great day, enjoy their day. So if someone was to, to come to one of your coaching sessions where you're just, you know, working with the girls and then go to one where, you know, another coach is working with the boys, what are some other differences that they might see maybe in the, is there difference in the games or like the drills or things that you're doing or what other differences might they notice when comparing the two? I think the, te- the technical aspects and all the, the parts of the game, tactical, uh, mental, I think all of those would probably look the same. I think for me, if you saw the boys training in a different uh, part of the driving range compared to the girls, you know, we might have more partnered up drills or, um, you know, I may ask a girl to record some uh, training or testing protocol for another. So they're together. Um, We might look over at the boys group and see them more acting independently. I think that's just something that they place a little bit more importance on where the girls, we might, you know, all sit down in a group after an hour and uh, just chat, have a snack, refuel and um, hydrate and, and as a group, um, they might do that individually. So that's sort of the, the landscape that you might see differently for both groups. And you're doing that intentionally. You're intentionally trying to create that that community or that team atmosphere then? I think they, they tell me that. They're, that's what they're telling me, what they enjoy the most and um, when I set up individual times when they're on their own, they'll, they'll gravitate towards each other regardless. <laughs> so, you know, if I, what I'm learning over the years at, at this national team level is, is to really take their lead and to keep them, to keep them um, motivated within a four or five hour training session is to, you know, um, making sure that I put in things that they're going to enjoy. So, you know, five hours goes by and they're like, wow, that was like the fastest morning ever. We just accomplished so much, but we had fun and and we really enjoyed each other's company. You know, so someone's listening. They're not the national team coach. You know, they're not working with this group. They're working with, you know, some girls at their club, you know, something like that. This absolutely translates to that, you know, like. You agree with that? I, I'm assuming. I'm hoping. Yeah, you agree. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I was just as you said that. I thought you know that is exactly, you know, um, what girls clubs are all about. You know, it, there's a lot of initiatives to, to put girls together, and um, and and the groups are getting bigger and bigger. I think the statistics that came out of the U.S. just lately is it's the biggest group of demographics that are coming into golf and staying in golf because 
we're learning now that it's, uh, you know, to make them happy and for them to want to stay is to create this scenarios for them, to create these learning environments for them that are fun. And, uh, you know, I remember the very first girls club I had, it was a group of five to nine year olds. And, you know, I thought it was going to be two hours of solid golf. Well, it ended up being, you know, 20 minutes of putting and then 20 minutes arts and craft and then 20 minutes of hitting balls and then 20 minutes of, um, you know, just getting together and uh, talking. And, and, you know, the parents were like, well, you know, we signed them up for two hours of golf and they only golf for 40 minutes. And I said, well, you know, look how happy they are coming off, coming off the golf course. And they feel that they just played golf for two hours, but we filled it up with stuff that they, that they enjoyed as well. A fun learning environment doesn't mean, you know, that someone's not taking seriously, you know, learning in a sense should be fun because it, it needs to be engaging. You know, you got to keep the learner in the process. If it's boring and just, you know, beating balls, then it's doing nothing. Yes. So, you know, you'd rather have them fun. And I think people, you know, maybe have viewed that in, in a negative connotation in a sense, but it's incredibly positive because it means that people are actually there mentally, uh, which exactly. is which is just critical to this to this whole thing. Yes, and I know that um, you know for me when I played professionally um, for the three years I was out there, it was it was a lonely game. Like I had my you know my little car and I drove around to tournaments, but um, that was one of the aspects that I didn't like about it. And so hence thing coming back and working in Canada and uh, meeting my husband. So. You know, when I was just on a, a Skype call the other day with a girl that's um, on a mini tour and, you know, some of the things we talked about were, were definitely, you know, it is lonely out there. You know, she's going from tournament to tournament, uh, meeting new families every week that she's staying with. But the whole process, you know, she looks back on her school experience as, you know, going to the golf course and being with other teammates, you know, being on, on Team Canada and and um, practicing with the team and looking forward to that experience. So it, you know, it runs through, you know, all the way through to professional golf. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Anne. I know that I am, uh, but I wanted to break in to recommend another piece of education you might find interesting. If you head over to the education tab on the PGA of Canada website, and then you head to the professional development under teaching and coaching, you'll find a piece called Dissection, the Coach-Athlete-Parents Relationship. It's a fantastic video series with Tim Kramer, worth diving into. He sits down with juniors, sits down with parents, a lot of good perspectives and interesting thoughts you can come away from. Make sure to check that out over on the website. And now let's get back to this with Anne. Let's talk a little bit about communication and ways maybe to communicate as uh, maybe, I don't know if this relates more for teaching or, or coaching or both, but you know, what are some good communication guidelines or, or bullet points that, that you'd want to hit on? You know, I think really assessing what I've learned over the last 10 years is just to, you know, I might have an idea of what's going to happen the next two hours, you know, before I go, I organize my time and, and, um, but when I get there and the girls start trickling in and it's maybe it's um, around exams or, you know, or something else that's um, perhaps stressful in their lives, I think that, I, that I've learned that I've had to assess them first, see where they're at, have plan A. If they're walking in, you know, with spring in their step, 
then we're going to go plan A. But to have a plan B in, in place for, you know, that 8 to 10 o'clock session perhaps in the evening that they're exhausted. And we can get just as much as we want out of them, but learning from them and where they're at is, is a crucial part of knowing what you're going to get out of them. And and communicating, like, you know, um, I have one girl on my team that her, her mom had just gone through cancer last year and and just knowing and, and communicating with the father to see, you know, where is she at? You know, is, is she going to be okay tonight? What's she bringing with her tonight? You know, and that's a huge component to to my programming is to get insight from the parents on what they're doing and where they're at. And most times it's pretty good. They'll, they'll tell me if something big happens. But, um, uh, you know, it's the years of boyfriends. It's the years of um, getting their wisdom teeth out. It's the years of them getting their driver's license. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in those uh, 15 to 18-year-old um, years' lives. So there's a lot more to it than just, you know, having agenda and getting getting them to follow it. it it's... um. It's a lot more complicated than that, and I didn't know that until I got got into the teaching this uh, segment of of, um, of golfers. So give me an idea. So like you mentioned, kind of like energy of people when they come into a session. Like what might change if you sense that something's off, or like what you know, like do you change you know what your your game plan was, the types of drills you're going to do, or like what what changes when when you sense that or something like that happens. Yeah, the the whole game change, the whole game plan changes towards perhaps we were going to maybe uh, the focus that night was was to work on speed, you know, to get some drills that are going to create uh, a little more speed in their swings, and you know, just getting a sense of them walking in like that. I'm I was thinking, you know, that's probably not going to happen tonight. So then we work perhaps on um, short game. We might do more putting drills that takes less energy. We might um, sit and talk for 20 minutes about the mental game. Um, you just have to be on your toes to have things organized to have a different game plan. And then there's times when they do walk in kind of sluggish and, and you know, their warm-up or some of the drills I had in mind might get them, you know, might get give me that um, speed that I want or that um, outcome that I want. So it's it's a real uh, it's really tuning into to who they are, not as a golfer but as a as a person. And I think once you you get to know them, other than just the sport they play, then you can you can communicate better with them. How do you do that? Getting to know them outside the sport they play, and, and maybe let's you know relate this to you know the um, the folks that are working at the clubs that are you know the teachers and the coaches, you know in kind of that commercial sense of what does that mean getting to know them outside of golf? I think number one is to go watch another sport they play. I have high competitive um, volleyball players that are fourteen and fifteen that are still playing other sports. Boy, you sure get to know them at a different level. When you go and watch them play a sport that's a team sport that's highly intense. I remember going to watch one of the girls in my in my academy play hockey. And, you know, she got the puck and went for a breakaway and and uh and and scored and and that was um you know some of the something that she had there that I didn't I never saw her really show up in golf and that confidence and so, you know, I, I said, you know, let's try to bring a skill you already have to go one-on-one with a goalie to golf. And how do you feel? And uh, how can we relate those those skills that you already have and get better at golf? And and I think that's where you get that that whole picture of the person. 
you know, and there's times when I have been surprised and I, where I didn't know that about about um, one of the players and getting and then I thought, geez, I would have totally gone about communicating them in a different way if I had known about that. So getting to know them, their family, their, um, you know, how they how they do at school, other activities outside of golf, you know, once you get to know them that well, it's just so much easier to uh, communicate with them and, and just to have expectations for them at a different level. I like that idea of, of going out to other sports that they play potentially and, and watching them. That seems like mm-hmm. I've, I haven't heard that, but that sounds like a great one. And obviously mm-hmm. you're able to communicate better with them, you know, when you have those examples and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, like we have a girl in our team that's highly competitive volleyball and, you know, uh, at a provincial level and, um, you know, she's standing over a six foot putt. And I said, "What? Well, that's the same as getting that, that last point um, with your serve. Like what is, and she does that often. Um, you know, we have to take that same intensity or that same mental approach that you have there and, and, and take it to that six footer that you need to make to, to shoot your best score. So we also, I want to get back to communication. One other thing on that aspect is like when you're literally doing the the teaching or coaching and you're, you're trying to educate them, you're trying to help them make a change or understand something, what changes, like should you be more direct? Should you be, use more stories? I don't know. (laughs) You know, like what, what, what goes on with communication? There's any rules of thumb or things that you found work better, um, you know, with, with the girls that you work with? You know, I think it goes back to knowing them holistically in their lives is uh, knowing that you can push some girls and be really honest with your feedback and they're going to take it the right way where, you know, the next girl beside them, you have to go at a very tender way of, of creating that constructive feedback or, you know, this is the change we have to make. So I think that just, um, you know, having to communicate to different players, having that skill, uh, which I've learned over the last 10 years, is that not everyone's the same and you can't communicate the same to everyone. And and um, diving into, you know, how are they going to, especially if it's something big that you want to talk to them about, is, you know, how are they going to take this and how are the implications of, of me telling them that I don't think they're working hard enough. But what I've learned over the years is, is to really get them to talk about it and then that that uh, allows me to know, you know, what plan of attack that I have to take. So the first kind of key step here is creating a, a good learning or a good coaching environment where you, you understand, you know, who these, who these girls are and kind of what they want. And that's kind of the social atmosphere. You make it fun. You keep them engaged in the learning process. So they're not just hitting balls and being told to do this or do that. Right. I think that's step one. And and in that environment, you can kind of get to know the people better and better. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you're able to, you know, spend some time with them and really understand them. And then from there, that impacts your communication and the way that you're able to coach them and and you're able to teach them far better than, you know, if you were able, if you were just going down the line, working with number one, two, three, and four. Is that right? Did I summarize that a little bit, maybe? Yeah, definitely. I think that's sort of the, um, the process that I've gone through you know, in my, um, you know, transitioning from an instructor to a coach is to, to achieve those skills that you've just mentioned and to be able to adapt to all those situations and to make that, that really fun, safe learning environment for, for young girls and to keep them engaged. Um, you know, especially over the winter time, uh, when we're here in Canada and coaching indoors, 
you know, you have to be pretty creative with that as well <laughs> to keep them uh, organized and, and wanting to come out to the golf dome when it's uh, minus 10 outside and still want to come and know they're going to have a good time. Can we talk about your academy a little bit, you know, because I think that's how most people will be applying this is, you know, how, how would I go about creating a good program that would really engage, you know, these students? What does your program look like? Like, what do these girls go through that are in your academy? Okay, I have um, I have a junior academy. So I have three girls in there that are aged um, 10 to 12. And um, then I have an, a, a more of a senior academy that are aged 13 to 18, and there are six to seven girls there. We have three components of um, sort of like three things that are on the menu at Ann Carroll Golf Academy. We have one is a supervised practice night. So that night they come prepared with their own agenda and how they're going to practice. And, and within that night, um, you know, I'll help them guide them to where I feel, you know, they should spend more time or maybe give them a different idea on a drill. And then we have a train to compete session. It's a two hour session. And in the summertime, it's three hours. And it's really performance golf. How are we going to perform better on the golf course? It's, it's, it's less technical and more, you know, mental skills and, uh, and strategy and, um, you know, talking about the controllables of golf and the uncontrollables and all of the mental aspects of golf. Those are really fun. And in the summertime, we, em- we emphasize more on short game. And then each week they have a private session with me. So it's a private lesson that's more technically based, just working on their swing progression. And then outside of that, they, they all have their strength and conditioning um, programs and coaches. Sometimes I'll bring in a nutritionist to talk to the families and parents about, uh, you know, what uh, what's best for the girls to have in their golf bags when they play the night before, what they should be eating, post round, what they should be eating, and 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 bring it into the whole family because the parents are really the ones that are buying the groceries. And uh, and then once in a while, sort of beginning of the season, mid season to the end, we'll have a mental skills coach come in and um and talk about uh, you know. Um, putting uh, mostly for them it's uh expectations and goals and and uh having those all in check very cool very cool and so maybe talk to me a little bit about what a session would look like so i don't know if if the last one you know a group session where you were working with these these girls or uh, i don't know just give us an example of a run us through you know what what one might look like okay so most times they have a good 10, 15 minute warm up as far as uh, getting their heart rate up, getting the muscles intact to to um, to not get injured throughout the session. It's very dynamic in in um, you know in a sense, and then they work into specific exercises that um, are that pertain to their swing. We're using a lot more tubing. We're using throwing medicine balls around a little bit more than we used to, and then the first the first half hour is. Once we get, once I, I, you know, set up and say, you know, this is what it's going to look like. The first half hour is just getting warmed up with their warm ups in golf and uh, their golf swings. And then we really, um, what we've been doing is we've been doing um, a book club with a Vision Fifty Four group of uh, Pia Nielsen and Lynn Marriott, and and um, we have a study guide that we that we do every week. So we read a few chapters and they. We, they have uh, a study guide that we um, look at. Everyone participates. 
a lot of times I'll give some of the girls different chapters to work on. And some of those chapters might be, it might be called the blame game. So, you know, what are some of the things that we sometimes come off the golf course and say, oh, the weather was bad. That's why my score was high. Or the person I played with, you know, really bothered me. So we talk about, you know, how, how the things that we can control within that um, session. And that might just be kind of an overall, overall theme for our session that day. The book is called Every Shot Must Have a Purpose. And it talks a lot about a lot about deliberate practice. And so we'll, we'll make sure that every ball counts that we're, that we're uh, working on that day. We're not just uh, pulling over and hitting every shot. The balls are a few distances where we have to take a few steps away to get a ball, to bring it over to hit. So, um, but this, that shapes our um, performance um, sessions is that study guide in that book. And then that next year we'll go on to maybe um, another book that, uh, that everyone will benefit from. And then we'll um, usually end, end the session with a small competition um, that we like to do or, a, you know, a putting contest with the group, get the girls on different teams. And, and we usually finish on something really fun like that. That sounds like a great group. First of all, that, that sounds like a, a, good, a good setup. I, I love kind of what you're doing there with people. What would be, you know, what would be your pitch to parents with this? You know, I, I think a lot of people love the idea of starting a program like this, but it's, it's always intimidating to, to start something new, you know, especially this, maybe if they're transitioning out of the, the, the one-on-one kind of model and, and getting something started, you know, like what does your pitch to parents go like? And like, what are some of the responses that, that you get from parents when kind of presenting this program to them? You know, it's, it's funny. I don't really have to present it because if they see our groups at tournaments, and they see our see the groups having so much fun at the dome. It's always parents wanting to come in and say, "Wow, you guys look like you're having so much fun. My daughter would love to be a part of that." And I know, and I know, I would love my daughter to be a part of that. So a lot of the stuff is word of mouth, is just other parents talking to other parents on the fairways about about my program, and how it's not just about the golf swing. It is about so many other things. It's it's helping them with their tournament schedules. It's helping them with the NCAA process of getting to the next stage. And then parents are seeing um, the girls that are graduating from the academy and going on to great universities and having fulfilling experiences at that next stage. And and really the last couple of years leading up to that is a lot of the things that we uh, work with the girls is, is, you know, getting them ready for that NCAA process. And being confident and being independent so they can make that step away from moving away from home and, and being comfortable with all that. And most girls are so ready to go after they've been through the years of, of, of the academy. They, they're so prepared. And then the NCAA coaches, when they get there, like, wow, like you're so ready for this. You're, you're so, uh, you know how to, to plan a practice on your own. You know what that looks like. You're, you're, you're so far ahead of so many of the girls that come to the team. Cool. And, and maybe just to, to summarize it, can you wrap it up one more time? Like, what are the, the specific deliverables so that you see them one-on-one? Did you say, was it once a month and then your weekly or what was the, the sessions again? Um, well, I, when I'm in town, when I'm not with the national team, uh, a typical week would be Monday night, um, seven to nine would be our supervised practice night where they're leading, they're leading the hour, the hours that we're there together. Wednesday night might be a private lesson. And then Sunday morning from 10 to 12 in the winter months is in the golf dome 
that's our train to compete. That's our um, performance hours. Um, and then in the summertime, we're lucky to be able to um, to use Lambton Golf Club, where we go out on the golf course on Saturday afternoons about four o'clock, and we do a lot of our performance coaching out there. And the girls are in real life situations. They're behind a tree, you know, trying to uh, to get back on the fairway. There, um, we put them in situations that are are going to happen to them in tournaments so that they feel comfortable doing that. And that's a typical week. So that's um, probably about five hours a week um, at that stage. For the younger girls, it might just be two hours. The, the 11 to 12-year-olds, 10 to 12-year-olds, that might be just two hours a week. That's what they, you know, can handle at that stage. So, but that's kind of a typical week. It's, it, and that now we're getting into our um, competitive time with golf so today you know there's four of our the girls in the academy that are competing today and this weekend what we'll do tonight i'll probably get a text from all of them saying how they did um and we'll do a bit of a debrief uh what what can you do in the next you know 12 hours to work on the things that maybe you need to work on to get better tomorrow and then we'll have uh sunday night we'll have a tournament uh debrief on you know going forward into the next sessions what are we going to be doing at that point to get better for the next tournament so it's like you know practicing practicing debriefing how can we get better and then putting it to the test as far as like a quiz or a midterm kind of idea and then how do we get better from that so it's just trying to keep improving improving all the time awesome is there anything else that you want to hit on before we call it a day Anne? or no i think um you know, just like I've been through every step of the way for all of these girls. I've played junior golf. I've played in the NCAA. I've played professional golf. I'm sort of, you know, I've, I've walked in all of those footsteps uh, and, and just knowing how those feel. Uh, I mean, being able to help them through what they're anticipating as their next step. Uh, I think it's really cool to have been there, know what it's like, and to help them prepare for that. I think that's a huge huge help to what I do. Awesome. And if people want to ask you a question or maybe check out what you're doing with your academy or anything, uh, is there a site or contact best way for people to, to check out or learn more? I think just my email address is my name and Carol at rogers.com. That would be best. And yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be very excited if uh, people reached out and wanted to talk about this a little more or get some ideas on on girls programs and and how i uh structure them and how whatever anything would be great thanks so much ann appreciate you uh, appreciate you sharing you're welcome thank you very much cordy thank you so much for joining us today if you have any questions for ann make sure to reach out to her uh, and get your questions answered so you can make this practical and actually implement this with your students thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and we'll see you all next time